baby. Yeah, baby. We're back. It is time. Time to ring in a new year. Time to ring in some new vibes. Time to ring in some new attitudes. Attitudes? Attitudes? Blech. I'm out of breath. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, happy flippin' new year. It is time for another episode of the Hardcore Strong Style Coalition Podcast. Myself, Cosmic Kaiser 6, and my esteemed colleague Heracles DCXVI are back once again uh, in, in bringing in a new year with a new hope for better things in the world of Prores. Granted, it was already pretty good going in, but it's always good to have hope for the future. Ain't that right? No kidding. P.S. I'm down for new platitudes. I mean, we could always use uh, some new vistas, some new perspectives. Every, and anything to help liven things up nowadays. And what better way to liven things up than just talk about what we've been up to lately? Uh, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> if, you're, if you're looking to... Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll start if, that, if that's fine. Um, Not a problem. <laughs> well, since the uh, last episode... Uh, when I can't was say that, by the way? Oh, yeah, as a matter of fact, that has been several months now. It's not since uh, not since the King of Procrastination uh, episode all the way back in, I want to say, that was, was it August? That October. Ooh, okay, okay, that's not as late as I thought it was. Okay, that's not bad. Uh, but yeah, not since October have we uh, done anything, and that's largely because... Uh, my esteemed colleague and myself have pretty much agreed that the New Japan Pro Wrestling World Tag League, as great as it was as far as, you know, uh, the, spe- the, the the presentation of it all and the actual matches, uh, it's just not the tournament, really. Yeah, that's a common conception. Same goes for the Super Junior Tag League, which I got to be honest, I didn't watch either of those tournaments. Yeah, I totally understand. Um, I just has a bunch of other stuff going on anyway that kind of took my attention away from that. Uh, but all the same, uh, for all the guys that were uh, working those tours, y'all have my respect. Bunch of hard-ass workers out there in Japan, man. Oh, and there was power struggle in between the tournaments, so there's also that to mention. But yeah, just the tag team tournaments... I said in the last episode, you're not missing much. Yeah. Well, if there's anything uh, to not miss out on, it's uh, very big news on various fronts. Uh, Outside of the Blue Cerulean Ring, we've uh, now come to terms with the acquisition Bushiroad made with one, uh, wouldn't say up and coming, but uh, slowly... Expanding Joshi Prores uh, promotion by the name of World Wondering Stardom, or just Stardom if you want to be, you know, straightforward about it. Uh, that came as a rather out of left field uh, situation, really. I don't think anybody was expecting uh, Stardom to get bought up uh, to, you know, go through such a quick change. Uh, granted, the promotion's only been around, I want to say, since 2013, 14, somewhere around there. So it's, it's got a relatively, you know, not very long uh, lifespan. But in that span, it's created a lot of uh, important names in the current uh, Joshi scene, or even just generally in the women's scene around the world. Uh, 
with uh, names like Kaidi Sane, formerly Kaidi Hojo, uh, Io Shirai, uh, B. Priestley, uh, and then various others on top of that, too. Of course, there are local talent and everything like that. Mayu Ibatani, uh, Hana Kimura, uh, Momo Watanabe, and, and, and other uh, other names amongst all that. And I'm already I feel like I'm already losing you, uh, Heracles. Oh, no, I'm here. Oh, P.S. You did forget one called Tony Storm. She's also had her time within the promotion, too. Oh, you're damn straight. How could I possibly forget? Yeah, she was there for for a good spell. Uh, let's not forget that she was at one point scheduled to face B Priestley when B uh, was still uh, World of Stardom champion. But uh, mm-hmm, guess who came in and said, nope, you can't go over there. You belong to us. So get back over here and don't go over there. Guess who? We all know who. New year, new energy. Let's not worry about that. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, could have been great to see, you know. Yeah, it's a great concept. Mhm. Oh well. All the all the same though, uh, stardom is uh getting bigger from, from the looks of it. Now that it has Bushy Road's funding involved, uh, we're now looking at you know major advertising that's now being done with uh with stardom uh even their youtube has had a few like uh 15 to 30 second like commercial uh snippets uh uploaded with the different uh, wrestlers uh you know reading the same copy or whatever and now in the last couple of weeks we now find out that stardom is going to have its very first uh participation in the wrestle kingdom weekend january 4th shows uh, a first for stardom and a first for, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess a first for New Japan in that it's never had uh, matches with women on a Wrestle Kingdom show. So this That's is going right. to be the very first. Exactly. It's going to be the very, very first women's match. It's a dark match, unfortunately, but it's still happening. So it's not just in your imagination. It is for real, at least for those that are out there in Japan right now. Yeah, that is big enough in itself. And it's really just the start of... um. Them really expanding, growing their brand. So, yes, it's a dark match, but it's better than no match. So, really, that just means that things can only go up for stardom. Maybe one day they'll get to hold their own shows in a Tokyo Dome, or they'll get to headline in Ryugoku. That would be great. I mean, they've pretty much made Koraku and Hall their uh, their big stage up until this point. Um, so, you know, it's it's only a matter of time for them to uh, for Rossi Ogawa and the rest of his ladies to take those bigger steps. And with uh, with Kidani and his funding and everything like that, and all the uh, I guess all the backstage stuff in between to help them get to that bigger stage, it's only a matter of time. I think that things I think I think things are going to be uh pretty big. Uh speaking of which, uh said dark match for those that care that's uh it's going to be a tag team match involving uh Arisa Hoshiki and Mayu Iwatani, the current World of Stardom champion, versus the uh begrudging team of uh newcomer Julia and Hana Kimura. There is a bit of a story right now apparently where um it's probably it's not even the, the most original story or whatever. Not that it really matters, but the point is, uh, Hanakimura is basically was I think she was already feuding with uh, Julia, who was a recent signee of Stardom uh, within the last uh, couple of weeks. 
uh, like right. leading into I, December. I heard of that actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked into it a bit, and apparently, and this is just off of Wikipedia, so I don't know how uh, true this is, but Julia uh, formerly worked at Ice Ribbon. Uh, I'm not at all familiar with Ice Ribbon in any capacity. I'm gonna yeah, definitely do some. Mm-hmm, definitely gonna do some, some more research to get a better idea. But uh, the in in a press conference that occurred some time ago, within within the last month or so, Julia was being presented to sort of let the world know that okay, I'm I'm gonna be a part of Stardom and what's up, world. Meanwhile, Hanakimura comes in and uh, kind of tries to sort of crash the party and say, no, 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 no. There's only space for one uh, mixed Japanese performer here in stardom. And they had a little, uh, little sort of scrap, I, I, sort of like the sort of press conference kind of scraps, uh, but not as intense as, say, Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega from a couple of years ago. Uh, right. But probably still in the same scale, at least in terms of the feeling. I guess for those that follow uh, Stardom, in a way, or at least those that are fans of Harakimura, myself included, uh, probably probably felt that this was kind of a big deal to a degree. I don't know. Uh, I'm definitely keeping my eyes open anyway, and uh, i got to make sure that I... uh see more of this and maybe sign up to stardom uh to their uh subscription model or whatever i keep forgetting how many yen that is but eh, should be should be fun if it if it ever ends up on new japan world or heck or on stardom uh world's uh service i should think it would wind up on stardom world in the future and it would be nice if that match does eventually see the light of day while i get that new japan doesn't want to stream it to keep new japan and stardom separate i still think you'd be doing a disservice to fans who maybe want to get into stardom like me to see Mm -hmm. what they're about and the way this match looks to me they're presenting their four top stars within a tag team match so that match could serve as a great introduction to stardom so i would just love to see them put it on their youtube channel or subscription service someday in the future and not just have it be a dark match for the sake of having a dark match. hundred percent agreed. I think it'd be a disservice to just have it as a dark match for the live fans. Uh, especially when you're trying to have uh, stardom expand under the Bushido uh, umbrella. I mean, they've, they're, they're, they're slowly going to be getting that extra funding to, to do more things. It's only fair to put more eyes on the product uh, in, 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 in as many ways as possible sure but uh yeah i mean that's uh definitely something to look out for in the future and uh while we're on the subject of wrestle kingdom ladies and gentlemen that is the topic of this episode wrestle kingdom 14 now let us not forget that wrestle kingdom 14 this this particular one is a special one we get a two we got a twofer Two for two days. For the first time ever. For the first time ever. Yeah, exactly. Not once has there ever been a case where the January 4th Tokyo Dome show has ever crossed over beyond January 4th, no matter what day that is on the week. Uh, But it makes sense, if anything, given that it's a full uh, weekend of sorts. You know, you got a Saturday and Sunday, so may as well milk it for what you got. Uh, But the stories surrounding this year's uh, uh, This Wrestle Kingdom are 
are too dang good to just contain in one show, all things considered. But let's sort of turn the wheel back a slight bit and look back at the stuff that's kind of led to where we are right now with Wrestle Kingdom. Um, as we know right now, Kazuchika Okada remains the current reigning and defending IWGP heavyweight champion. Uh, Ibushi, Kota Ibushi won the G1 Climax 29 and has the uh, the challenger's uh, contract to mm-hmm. main event. Meanwhile, Switchblade, Jay White, and Tetsuya Naito are at each other's throats over the Intercontinental title, but they all have one, well, three out of four have one thing in common. They want to be double champion. No other, uh, no, there's been no precedence for this in New Japan Pro Wrestling, to my knowledge anyway. I'm pretty sure that's 100% the case, that there's never been a precedence for uh, heavyweight and intercontinental championships being held by one individual. It'll be a first time ever. Yeah, I mean, that alone is kind of a big deal with the history that promotion has. There's no reason you should not see this. Um, but yes, you know, we've got we've we've got this going on as the main sort of uh, narrative going into uh, Wrestle Kingdom right now. The double gold dash, as it's being uh, called affectionately in the uh, English uh, circles. I really love that name, by the way. Double Gold Dash. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's it's succinct. It's simple. It's to the point and really gets the urgency across for how important this kind of uh, this kind of situation is in the first place. You know, because again, this hasn't happened before. This is literal, actual, and wor- noteworthy history being made. So there's no reason anybody who gives a damn about pro wrestling uh, turns away from this. I think, anyway. For sure. And this is probably the biggest thing to happen for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship since Nakamura last held it. Because you've got to admit, even with the reigns that have occurred since with Tetsuya Naito and his legendary destructive run as intercontinental champion you've had hiroshi tanahashi as champion minoru suzuki as intercontinental champion uh, um let's see and tetsuya naito and ultimately fell into the hands of one switchblade jay white at power struggle yeah no they did they did kind of Definitely wasn't a hot potato situation, I'd call it, but by no means was that the case, because every single one of those competitors, save for Jay White, I guess, in a sense, they're all seasoned guys, and you know, they you could pretty much see the title jumping between any one of those guys because they're about it. They're about that life. There's they're you know, they're they're hardened competitors that that, you know, are worthy of gold. Jay White, uh God. As much as much as throwing Sorry, I got to mention that I forgot Kota Ibushi, who also held the championship this year. Correct. He did uh, defeat uh, Naito at the G1 Supercard to obtain it in the first place. Uh, his was his run was respectable, all things considered. For sure. Mm-hmm. The belt looked really good on him, if I say so. Yeah, it helps that uh, his look kind of complements the belt or, or the other way around. I'm not sure which one would be more accurate, but... It, it it looked it looked good on him the, uh, with the with the white strap and and his usual blue and white attire uh, really helped it sort of pop 
made him kind of pop a little bit more, other than the usual pops he gets. Yeah, basically. And meanwhile, Jay White coming in from the shadows, clutching the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, and trying to and doing his best to stake his claim at the, at the in the main event picture, as he ought to be. <clears throat> uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's it's it's. <laughs> Man, this this is this is so exciting to think about. Like oh, for me, it's tough to have a story like this and not have there be a villain, a nemesis. Jay White fits that role to a T. He comes in at the eleventh hour and denies everyone their hopes and dreams and their cookies. So he just defeats Naito at the G1, lays down a challenge for the Intercontinental Championship. And of all things, he wins it. So here he comes into Wrestle Kingdom two years after his big comeback where he challenged Hiroshi Tanahashi for the Intercontinental Championship. And now he's coming into the event holding the belt and looking to add the heavyweight championship, which he's held before, to his other shoulder and achieve the double championship dream and just really ruin everyone's day. Especially anyone who's an LIJ fan, which, you know, they're kind of used to anyway. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we're, the LIJ fans are probably some of the most masochistic around right now. Uh, but for good reason. You, gotta, you can't help but hold out hope for, for, for uh, a group of that ilk. Because they're all such great uh, performers. They're all such great athletes with such great personalities all across Um it's just uh, unfortunate that uh, you know it's it's been a while since you've seen the whole group have you know be you know drenched in gold, uh, not since what like over two years ago maybe. And yeah, that's something I actually had to be reminded about. Wrestle Kingdom 11 ended with all five members at that time holding championships. Mm-hmm. And that is huge for for that uh, for that faction at the very least, with all especially with the history that it's got. Oh, for sure. And keeping the topic on LIJ for a bit, Mm -hmm. this is going to be the first major event where you're seeing all six members competing between the two nights. So you're getting Naito, Evil, Bushi, Sanada, Hiromu, freaking finally, and Shingo Uh, on one show or over two nights. Oh, man, it's good that you brought him up because, man, that's another huge thing. Hiromu Takahashi's return after a year plus on the goddamn shelf. God, man. Technically, his return was during the Road to Tokyo Dome shows, which I got to say, I didn't quite agree with having him make his return during that tour. Granted, it was just to have him warmed up for Wrestle Kingdom. But I recall seeing him doing some training in Mexico with currently um, excursion in Young Lion Kawato. So it's not like he hasn't been preparing for this match. But personally, I would have saved his big return for the Tokyo Dome. Make him seem like a big deal because it was not that long ago that we were wondering, will he ever be cleared to return? Very true. Very true. I myself was incredibly concerned about uh, Hiromu's possibilities for return after what happened uh, at the G1 special all those years ago. Um, 
I saw those years ago. Sounds like it's like a long time ago. Hiromuka dropped on his neck by Dragon Lee. Nah. In professional wrestling, yeah, that was a long ass time ago. I guess if you're if you're conditioned to look at it a certain way, uh, but that's part of the part of the personal training one has to do. One has to remember the details, the details that they that aren't as obvious. That said, um, Hiromu is back. He's looking. Uh, he's looking like he barely has ever lost a step whatsoever uh, in those uh, Road to Tokyo Dome shows. Uh, granted, I've only seen so far just uh, I think night one. Of Road to Tokyo Dome? I still and, need to watch the, the rest. Yeah, I watched End of Night 3. And um, yeah, I did watch that first match. I believe it was a tag team match. Hiromu and Bushi versus the Birds of Prey, Will Ospreay, and Robbie Eagles. And of any outcome I was expecting, the one we got was the one I didn't expect. That ended with Hiromu getting pinned by Robbie Eagles. So should mm-hmm. things go Hiromu's way at Wrestle Kingdom, he has a potential challenger already waiting for him. For sure. And that's partially why I think things may go uh, Hiromu's way. But that's not to say that uh, our good buddy William Osprey has not had a massively fantastic year uh, by any means of the definition. Because, oh my God, if anybody that's followed Will Ospreay this year has had their eyes probably, you know, replaced with some other kind of optic sensors. Because, man, the things that that man has done, I, I know I keep gushing about William Will Ospreay uh, in, in these episodes and I just can't help it. Um, but look at his body of work. I mean, I think somebody out on Twitter cataloged every single match he's had in the 2019 year. And it's a rather long list. I think we're looking at almost 100 matches, maybe a little less than that. But the the quality of matches across the board, even if that included like the Super Junior stuff and, and, and everything else. But the, the top of the year, the top in the middle of the year for him was probably some of the probably the strongest that will has looked in a very long time undoubtedly let's not forget best of the super junior 26 finals his epic with uh, shingo takagi agreed mm. and you almost have to remind yourself that he started 2019 in the opening match of wrestle kingdom 13 beating kota ibushi for the never open weight championship so yeah there's anyone who has a compelling case for wrestler of the year well osprey has it he's held championships competed in all three new japan tournaments within one calendar year and i'm sure he's competed in other tournaments that i'm not even thinking of so i mean yeah you want to talk about workhorses will osprey was a workhorse in 2019 a goddamn machine if ever there was one this year. Never mind never mind the Iron Men of the Royal Rumbles from another from another side of the world. that's man. A certain other wrestlers can't hold a candle to Will Ospreay as far as I'm concerned. But uh that's more of a matter of opinion, honestly. Uh even with the facts uh as plain as day. Uh that said, at the core of all this Will is currently the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion and has been a 
dominant champion throughout the year with uh, quite a good number of defenses, some rather entertaining, some incredibly poetic. Uh, but it all comes down to the fact that Hiromu is back. He never, Hiromu never lost the championship. He went out with that messed up neck and had to have the belt pulled away from him, kicking and screaming. Mr. Belt yelling, oh, no, oh, no, Hiromu, come back and better. <laughs> Before we get too far ahead of that, though, there mm. are other matches on the card and another looming major topic regarding Wrestle Kingdom that you really cannot ignore. So, you know, we'll get back to Osprey versus Hiromu in a bit, and let's just look at the rest of the card. Like, I'm seeing we have two other opening tag matches, which I'm going to assume is before the main show starts. Uh, yes, if we're looking at the card for night one, as I presume we're doing, sure. uh, aside, aside from the uh, dark match with the Stardom ladies, um, there's the the two te- the, yeah the two tag matches there are uh, both pre-show matches from from what I can tell. Uh, there's going to be an eight man tag with the uh, LA Dojo boys, Carl Fredericks, Clark Connors, Alex Coughlin, and uh, and current uh, mainstay Toa Hinare. Um, facing off against uh, the New Japan Dojo Boys of uh, the Japan Dojo Boys, better said, uh, Yota Tsuji, uh, Yuya Uemura, and uh, Great Bash Heel. Uh, that should be pretty fun to see all the same. Just at least see what the uh, what the new kids are doing if they've uh, developed anything new. Um, after that, it's uh, Nakanishi and uh, Nagata versus Tenkozi. Uh, not much can really be said about that other than, you know, it's more of the old guard being as being awesome as far as I'm concerned. For sure. For the young Lions, this is a huge opportunity for them. Granted, it's not necessarily going to fill the arena, but nonetheless, having that opportunity to go out and wrestle in the Tokyo Dome, it's something they've all worked for. And I'm looking forward to seeing them knock it out of left field and I know it's going to be a big deal for Hanma, who I'm not entirely sure if this will be his first or second Wrestle Kingdom since returning from his own injury, but I know it's going to mean a lot to him. And then there's also Hinari, who you gotta admit, he's been having a really tough time getting noticed. He's been stumbling out the blocks, so to be in a 15-minute opening match with Young Lions probably i'm sure he's grateful for the opportunity but i can almost assure you that's not where he wants to be so if there's anyone who needs to make the most of this opportunity it's going to be toa hanare agreed uh he's he's right now the only, one of the few people within that group that's not great bash heel that at least has some kind of uh recognizability or he's recognizable enough uh by the hometown crowds in new japan but hasn't really stood out in any major way uh outside of you know doing his occasional haka style taunts and things like that in his entrances and whatnot and even teaming with uh tanahashi for the world tag league must have helped him to some degree and again i haven't seen it so i don't know but i'd like to think that that kind of helped him i mean the fact that they paired him with tanahashi in the first place uh clearly shows that they're trying to do something with him for sure and i'm sure he's going to have his moments because you know, um, a lot of other young lions, former young lions, I want to say, 
they're going to have their big moments this weekend too. Hanare's still waiting for his. And I feel like if he can string enough things together, this might be the year where New Japan's management finally takes notice. Yeah. I think he definitely deserves a better spot uh, right now. He's worked pretty hard uh, after graduating from the dojo and trying to find himself uh, within the ranks of the roster right now. I think he's done a pretty good job. He just needs a stronger platform. I think he just needs to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, Hopefully he can make the most of it, like you said, uh, with this uh, pre-show match. And then, of course, again, the... Tenkozi versus Nagata Nakanishi. Uh, can we really? Ex- what can we really expect from these guys other than the, the than the usual classics uh, that they're known for? Yeah, it's it's a tag match involving the New Japan dads. All of them former IWGP Heavyweight Champions. All of them have been at the main events of the Tokyo Dome years in the past. So mm-hmm. being in the being in an opening match is far below where they hold themselves to as far as a standard, but it'll be good to see Ten Cozy teaming up one more time. It'll be great to see Nagata and Nakanishi on the Tokyo Dome stage and not just in a New Japan Rumble. P.S. I'm going to miss that this year. But yeah, yeah, I know, it's, right? yeah, it's going to be fun to see them actually get to have a match and not just be in a Royale setting. Yeah. Speaking of which, I was actually watching a bit of uh, the Wrestle Kingdom 10 uh, New Japan Rumble, and my God, it, it, it was so it, as train wrecky as it was to a degree. It was interesting seeing certain faces like the Great Kabuki, uh, oh, Yoshiaki Fujiwara, um, and a few other uh, unlikely faces here and there from like from like yesteryear. Uh, that I, for one thing, never heard of, and it, it, it was like when I was, it was like watching. It was a feeling that I had when watching the Rumble uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, tw- uh, what not was it twelve? No, tw- uh, Wrestle Kingdom eleven. When I first like started taking New Japan a bit more seriously or watching it more seriously, mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, this is this is kind of awesome. And at the same time, I'm so out of the loop for that. Then it's like, oh, I gotta keep watching to see where this goes. Uh, but yeah, that Rumble, the, the Rumble concept was one of the things that I really liked about the Wrestle Kingdom stuff at one point. Uh, it's just unfortunate. Well, it's just unfortunate that they're not doing it again, but it's understandable why they have so many good storylines going in that the Rumble is just going to kind of take away, take attention away from that or at least, you know, possibly uh, dilute uh, audience attention. For sure. Plus, without the Rumble, that means everyone actually gets on the card, which I'm sure everyone benefits from and is grateful for. Because you've got someone like a Yoshihashi, whom every Wrestle Kingdom for the last two years, well, not last year because he was still out with his injury, but the last Wrestle Kingdoms he was in with being 12 and 11, Yoshihashi was in the New Japan Rumble. Maybe mm-hmm. ten as well, if I'm not mistaken. But yes, he yeah. was. He was in ten and the uh, ten rumble. Right. So there being no new Japan rumble is a blessing for all the wrestlers. So if yeah. that's what it takes to get them a spot on the card, then I'm fine with it. 
Yeah, that, and that also, and you know, less of a chance of older generation dudes almost hurting themselves doing something or anything like that. Because man, I saw Fujiwara's uh, was it his right leg? I don't know what the hell he did to get that, but that 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 that's a, that's a serious twist to have for for someone of his age. Yeah, we yeah, so we can leave the seventy year olds at home for once and let them enjoy the show. Speaking yeah. of the show, that brings us to the first match of the main card. And looking at the name that prefaces it, it just puts a feeling in your stomach that you kind of wish you could just turn the clock back on. I kind of do now. Are you bringing it up? Yeah. Jushin Thunder Liger Retirement Match 1. Oh, no! <laughs> Say it ain't so like her son, no! <laughs> yeah. It is January 1st, 2020 when we're recording this podcast. Jushin Thunder Liger's in-ring career ends five days from when we're recording this, and he has two matches left. Well, if we, get, oh. if we keep the time zone in mind, then it's going to be like three to four days away, but that's semantics. Point is, we're losing one of the staple names of our generation of professional wrestling entertainers. And that is cutting friends. Like I, like I remember knowing about the name Jushin Thunder Liger uh, in separate, in, in, in a sort of detached way, whether it be through like old clips of uh, WCW stuff or other uh you know, taped things that had no promotion name that I was aware of. And I remember thinking it looked really cool. And then when I started watching uh, New Japan uh, in 2016 for the for Wrestle Kingdom 11 and saw Liger there and all that, I was like, oh, my God, I've seen this guy before. He's so cool. And the rest is history. And now that I know that he's going to be gone, that fucking sucks. But that's that's not important. My feeling, our feelings on this while valid are not the point here the point is we have to celebrate what's left of jushin liger's contributions to the professional wrestling world in night one in his uh eight-man tag team match he will be joined alongside fellow legends tatsumi fujinami the great sasuke and tiger mask with Number el samurai mm-hmm. uh and yes of course tiger mask four let's not forget uh, and his opponents are going to be people that are apparently a very big part of uh, Liger's past. Uh, we have uh, Naoki Sano, uh, Shinjiro Otani, Tatsuhito Takaiwa, and Taguchi Ryusuke, <laughs> who uh, it's more of a recent situation, if anything. But all the same, the fact that Ryusuke uh, Taguchi is involved at all. I'm pretty sure that must be like a massive honor for uh, for a guy like Ryusuke who's been working to the junior division for such a long time. Agreed. Like, basically, once Liger steps down, he's pretty much leaving Taguchi, like him or not, as the old guard of the junior division, the standard bearer. Yes, Taguchi is all funny, funny, haha, but um, if you ever watch a best of the Super Juniors tournaments, you're not going to see that same Taguchi 90% of that tournament as Absolutely. the most recent tournament can attest to. 
That is absolutely true. That is 100 percent. It's still surprising to see that match that he had with uh, Rocky Romero uh, in 2019 for the Super Juniors Tournament. That was gangbusters, man. It was really good stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, let's not forget uh, another the extra man that'll be on uh, Sano's side or, or the, the, the opposing team's side. One Kuniaki Kobayashi or the Tiger Hunter. Yep. yep Mr. I hate Tiger Mask so much that I'm going to rip his mask off every possible chance I get guy. Uh, you know, that's I'm, I'm guessing that the participation of El Samurai and uh, Kobayashi are primarily more for shenanigans sake, if anything, just to sort of, I guess, prolong. Very likely. Yeah. It's more, probably more so just sort of prolong the uh, shenanigans to keep the rest, to keep all the uh, older guys uh, safe in terms of what they do, uh, which is fine. Point of the matter is we're celebrating Liger's uh, history here with this match. Right. And more than anything, I'm pretty sure it's going to be an enjoyable experience no matter what happens. And uh, also, uh, special guest referee is a uh, uh, Norio Honaga. I'm not familiar by the name, but apparently he's a retired wrestler. Um, retired wrestler from the past. I'm guessing he has some connection with Liger in, a, in some capacity. Possibly. Just all around, as you mentioned, yes, this is looking back at people who have been fundamental to making Liger who and what he is so it's yes it's gonna be an old man's party but it's for liger so just rock with it absolutely it's it's only fair if y'all sang once or at all to his to his entrance song you you owe it to yourselves to give liger a chance to not only show what he usually does but also to share the stage with the rest of his uh the rest of his former rivals and former allies over his career. So that way you can learn something about, uh, you know, what these people mean to Liger and to that style of professional wrestling that they're all associated with. So it's definitely very important to be, uh, to watch it, if anything, at least to learn something, you know? Agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on from that, we have a, uh, another eight man tag. There's quite a few eight man tags, uh, early part of this, uh, card. Uh, so so past the Liger retirement number one, uh, L.I.J. will be facing off against Suzuki-gun. Uh, Suzuki-gun comprised of El Desperado, Zack Sabre Jr., uh, Taichi, and big boss man Suzuki Minoru. Uh, gimmick not – gimmick infringement not intended. And uh, L.I.J. cohorts Bushi, Takagi, Sanada, and Evil. Uh, this uh, – go ahead. This is only, I don't know, maybe the 100th time we've seen Suzuki-gun and L.I.J. face each other over this year alone, not counting the last two years, because they've been at each other's throats for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't this be sort of like the blow-off? I don't know if this could be, could be called the blow-off of, of all the... Uh... Of all the headbutting that they've done amongst each other for the past year and change, perhaps it is. After all, Wrestle it is Wrestle Kingdom. By this point, they're probably gonna recycle, or not even recycle, but just sort of like, uh, um, you know, have a definitive, uh, I guess, sort of a winner between both factions for this uh, to sort of for to sort of culminate. Uh, or at least put put a dot on everything that they've 
kind of done in the past year and and have them all sort of move on to new things. Um, it should be fun all the same. It should be really, really good. It should. I want to agree that this could be the blow-off, but without Naito involved, it's hard for me to say that it will be. So for that reason, I kind of want to give the edge to Suzuki-gun. Mm. And there is also the... Uh, a little side story between Zack Sabre Jr. and Sonata ahead of their singles match on night two. We'll cover that in a bit. But yeah, yeah for what it's worth, I'm just looking at this as another round in the seemingly never-ending story between Suzuki-gun and LIJ. Personally, I'd rather it not end anyway because both sides have so many great characters that... It's a lot of fun seeing them all kind of uh, spit at each other and, uh, you know, take the piss out of each other here and there. No, uh, n- no intent on just sort of, you know, uh, pulling any Britishism since Zack Sabre's involved with taking the piss and all that. But, uh, you know, Zack's uh, promos lately against Sonata have been uh, quite funny. But then again, Zack's 2019 has been really good. Uh in a story sense, he may not have had a lot of victories in the New Japan ring uh, in some of the tournament settings that he's been in, but he's been incredibly entertaining to balance that out. And I think that that's been to the strength of uh, of this feud that they're having right now, the both groups. Um, but from one group feud, we move on to another one. We have uh, another eight-man tag, the last eight-man tag of that of the night, uh, involving Bullet Club and Chaos. From Bullet Club's side is uh, Yujiro Takahashi, uh, Kenta, Chase Owens, and Bad Luck Fale facing off against Chaos members Toru Yano, Ishii Tomohiro, oh, well, we, Tomohiro Ishii, yeah, 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 uh, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshiashi. All right, well, again, just like with Suzuki-gun versus LIJ, Chaos versus Bullet Club has been happening forever. So, I mean, the faces will change, but the struggles will not. Now, that said, it'll be great that, like, a Chase Owens and a Yujiro, who have had a bit of a rough go at getting themselves featured on a Wrestle Kingdom stage, It'll be great for them. I'm sure Yoshihashi is counting his blessings that he's not on the pre-show after I don't know how many years. And to be quite honest, yeah. I mean, you do have Kenta and Goto setting up their match for night two. Mm-hmm. But let's just call it what it is. Why would you bet against Chaos when you've got the true ace, Toriyano, on your team? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, Toru Yano. What a 2019 he's had, right? Right? What a decade. (laughs) A goddamn G1 Climax. Oh, what a year. What a decade. Yeah, sure. Okay, we get it. You're going to make Toru Yano your number one of of, of of the past decade. It's fine. I get it. I'm... Just gonna totally rethink, uh, reevaluate our relationship here with this. <laughs> well, I mean, realistically, I'd say number. Well, I won't give anything away, but he's. I'll just put it to you this way: he's still owed two heavyweight championship matches that New Japan management seems to conveniently forget. Cowards. 
Yeah, I guess so. Maybe someday they'll pull the trigger on that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, as fun as that match will be, we move on to some more, uh, some other matches with higher stakes involved. Uh, some championship stakes involved, as a matter of fact. We move on now into the uh, blow-off for the World Tag League with Juice Robinson and David Finley, the affectionately named Finn Juice, facing off against the ever-dominant IWGP Tag Team Champions in Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga and Tonga Loa. Now, again, we've you know not really watched the World Tag League, but we do know at least that Finn Juice have become a thing since uh, when was it? Uh, since King of Pro Wrestling, because uh, David Finley returned that night and uh, protected uh, Juice Robinson from his post-match beatdown uh, by Lance Archer after he won the U.S. Heavyweight Championship. And since then, they've been apparently doing well enough in the tag league to justify this. Now, I get the feeling that G.O.D.'s tag reign has probably run its course right now, um, but that's fine. They are, what, five-time IWGP tag champs? I, I believe so. Yeah. Also, G.O.D. was robbed. How do you figure? Okay, how many tag teams does New Japan have on a regular basis? Very few. <laughs> They have one, and it's G.O.D. Well, as a heavyweight tag team, there's been been literally no other tag team as dominant in New Japan, if not all of professional wrestling. Yes, I know I'm going to piss people off with that. Then G.O.D. That's a man. But the call spade a spade. G.O.D. have had some good fucking runs right now, and they've been fire on the goddamn mic. Every time you got them talking, spit nothing but the truth. I mean, I'd said it before, and I'll say it again here. A team other than G.O.D. winning World Tag League was blasphemous. But knowing that they hold the tag team championships, that kind of guaranteed they weren't winning it anyway. Nonetheless, if you were going with the team to get that win and make the challenge, uh, Finn Juice works. I mean, we've they've been teaming before now, but with Finley coming back and actually taking things seriously, that helped stoke the fire enough that we are where we are. That said, I yeah, maybe there maybe GOD's latest tag run has run its course, but uh, I also don't see any reason for GOD to lose here. I really don't. That's fair. I mean, I'm looking at their stats right now. Yep, they are definitely five-time tag champs. Currently, 312 total days since winning all the way back in uh, February and on a rising, uh, the on a rising tour. So, and yeah, that's that's the next thing. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, they're sure. closing in on a year as tag team champions. So they've been the best tag team in New Japan some will say in the world, at least give them that. Yeah. From what I'm seeing, there's uh, quite a few other teams that are currently still higher on the, on the rain count uh, at all, but that doesn't stop the fact that, you know, 
they're doing they're doing the damn thing. Uh, it's just a man. Unfortunately, the pool is just isn't wide enough for there being more compelling, uh, you know, tag team bouts for these guys. But at the end of the day, you know, God are God. They will do everything and anything to stake a win to get that to get that W in there in their record, and they will likely beat the ever loving crap out of Finjuice, and Finjuice will be the scrappy underdogs that uh, come back somehow. But we'll only know what the final result is when we see the show. Uh, I personally am pulling for G.O.D. to come out of it and still remain uh, dominant tag champs. Uh, I think there, I think there's still more gas in the tank for them. I feel like, I feel like a lot of their reigns have been kind of shortchanged in some capacity, except for maybe for this one because of how long it's been. Agreed. That's why with this, I, I'm a Juice Robinson fan. Not too many people like to admit that, but, I mean, he's been putting in his work, so why act as if Juice doesn't belong where he is? That said, he and Finley should not be winning this match. Juice has bet more to offer, I think, at this point. And heck, David, in a sense, only just came back from his injury and all that, from his surgery. Uh, it'd be good to have him, you know, stand on his own feet at the very least, you know? Unless they're trying to set up... I don't know. Part of me, remember way back when, when they were still showing the vignettes for uh, who would eventually be revealed as John Moxley? Yeah. I surmised because, you know, Juice was the one being targeted here when he was still U.S. champion. I thought the only other logical person it could be to face him or to sort of, you know, uh, uh, be a contender for that was David Finley because he was like the only other close uh, party within Juice's circle that probably, you know, could have a storyline reason of, hey, you know, Juice, you're in, you know, you've been in the light of life for quite some time. I've only been in these paltry tag matches with the with the rest of the roster, and I need more. I, I I'm the Celtic Prince. I am, you know, awesome. I I need to be more than this. That's what I at least thought in my own head canon. But we got Moxley, and the the rest is history. But I want to think, at least in my heart of hearts, that maybe this uh, does something to change, at least to push Finley in a different direction. Because all this time he's been operating as a face. And I think that it'd be a good time to put him in the forefront in a heel capacity if they can. For sure, for sure. But, um, yeah, like, it's great for Finley to have come back and get this spot. But um, while I hope he and Juice do the best with it, I don't think it's their time. No, not at all. I feel like this could be a good vehicle to create some kind of a storyline of dissent between the team. You know, maybe Finley sabotages something. Uh, But, again, that's just fantasy booking on my end. I'd like to see that, but... I guess we'll see when when stuff happens. Uh, and speaking, told, oh, sorry. Yeah, be told if there's there's only one person who can have their friends betray them at any given time, and that's Will Osprey. Oh man. Ah <laughs> oh, man, Will Osprey. What a guy. Yep. Will Osprey and his friends turning on him. Name a better duo. 
Now, speaking of a duo, let's go on all the way down to Texas, where apparently death matches are the real thing, brother. Uh, while we're on the subject of former IWGP US champion uh, Juice Robinson, we now go into uh, the actual current reigning champion, the Murder Hawk Monster Lance Archer, uh, defending the title against the forcibly vacated champion, Death Rider John Moxley, in a Texas death match. Now, the stipulation for this. Uh, it's basically you can only win by either submission or a 10 count knockout. No pinning uh, is, is going to count for anything like this. So it's going to be straight up brawling. Uh, pretty much, uh, as the name implies, death matches. So I, I expect some bloody insanity uh, with this one. Maybe not to any uh, overtly excessive CZW levels, but... Probably enough just to get some shock value going for for this event. Very likely. Um, also, it should be mentioned. Yes, no pinfall, no DQ, and um, I for one, I just hope the referees remember that. And also, yeah, between Moxley and Archer, I'm expecting someone to shed a little blood. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, there has to be. If there ain't no blood, and there's no point in making this deathmatch to begin with. Because uh, they pretty much marketed both guys as bloodthirsty savages, especially Moxley. If there's anybody that's like been living up to the name, uh, or at least living up to that sort of lifestyle in, in, his, in a kayfabe sense, it's motherfucking John Moxley. Uh, whether it be in New Japan or in his uh, home in America, his home promotion in America. Uh, it must be said, you know, John Moxley seems very likely to maybe get the title back. I feel like he, I feel like he has a strong chance for that, uh, unless they want to keep pushing uh, Lance Archer to help sort of legitimize him and uh, make him a bit more, uh, or push him a bit more into the conversation. Yes, let's have more solo Lance Archer. He, he's done plenty of tag team work. It's time to see him stand on his own two feet because so far he's been standing pretty damn good for himself. So I honestly can't pick a winner between Moxley and Archer because just the thought of those two in a match where the only way to win is knocking a dude out because Let's be honest, they're not going to do any submissions. But, yeah, I, hey, I'm with it. Yeah, it's either die or don't die. That's pretty much the long and short of it. Uh, and if we're to believe Lance Archer, pretty much everybody will. But Moxley's a death rider. He, he, the only, he's the only other person who could probably cheat death. So I believe I'm it. The, yeah. Uh, God, it's going to be so cool, though, all, all the same. Like Lance has a strong, both guys have such a strong claim to being a champion again in, in, with the uh, with the red strap. Uh, but it really could it really could go both ways, and and I love that about this. I love it. I love that about this Wrestle Kingdom right now, because it really feels like the stakes have possibly gone the highest that they could ever be uh, for any one promotion at all. And when this is and this is just the one of the sub uh, one of the mid card titles on top of that. Yeah, well, I mean, let's keep in mind that uh, – I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Wrestle Kingdom 12. The U.S. Mm. title 
was the co-main event two years ago. And then last year's show, 13, I think it was the third match on the card. So the U.S. titles had an up-and-down history so far. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I take back my mid-card comment. It's more so upper upper mid-card, if anything. For sure. Just putting that belt on a former world champion like John Moxley is the best thing that could have happened to that belt in a while. So it would be good question. to see it actually get some shine. Yeah. And if anything, uh, both Moxley and Archer facing off for it. If, if, if Archer were to win... I think it would increase the stock much more than it already did since the G1. Uh, with Moxley winning, I think it'd be just a, a nice little fun go around if he did. Uh, he probably doesn't need it when you really think about it, but you never know. You never know. Uh, and moving on from that, we have Hiromu Takahashi challenging Will Ospreay for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I believe there was something that you wanted to cover uh, in regards to this match, uh, Heracles? I mean, not entirely, but I have to really look at the past Wrestle Kingdom cards because this might be Osprey's first solo match on a Wrestle Kingdom card. Oh, you're right. Now that I think about it, because he did have, um, I think it was Wrestle Kingdom 12, the, the very same year with uh, Omega and Jericho. He... Uh, there were like there was like a four way match, him, uh, Marty Skrull, Kushida, and uh, Takahashi. Yep. Yes, all and four of them in the first ever four way match for the for the junior heavyweight belt. Yes, and I immediately have to recant my statement because I literally had just mentioned Osprey versus Ibushi from last year's Wrestle Kingdom, so stand <laughs> retracted, but. Nonetheless, first solo match for the junior heavyweight championship. So there. Yeah, that that's a bit more uh, accurate. It's all good. I, I figured I, I kind of understood what you meant anyway. All the same. Uh, but yes. Um, crap. Oh, I, I okay. I I remember there was a point I wanted to uh, bring up earlier. But yes, now that we're on the subject, much like we've covered with Hiromu. Uh, you know, doing his best to sort of get back into tip-top shape to uh, do what he usually does and, you know, be an absolute maniac in, in and outside of the ring. Um, and, and the other side, Will Ospreay, with his uh, very dominant defenses and, and near-flawless execution and everything he does, it's starting to look like it's getting to his head. And Robbie Eagles is just there in the background sort of noticing it and not really keeping him in check as much as he ought to. I mean, that's an interesting note because, I mean, mm -hmm. he is in chaos, Osprey, and normally when a champion in chaos gets a big head, it doesn't end well for them. Let's look. Yep. I.E. Okada. And and uh, after Dominion 2018, we all saw what happened to him sort of uh, regress into his uh, uh, balloon-toting cocoon before opening up back into that magnificent rain-making butterfly. Uh, I'm not sure where I was going with that uh, analogy, but it just seemed like the best one I could come up with. Yeah, uh, no, that, that actually works just fine. Broken Okada was a more beautiful time than we realized. So, yeah. 
Well, I guess we'll uh, have to look forward to Will Ospreay doing something similar. Maybe he'll throw a bunch of uh, crumpets out into the stands and stuff like that. <laughs> Personally, I prefer if he like assaulted, I don't know, Gino Gambino with some cheeky Nandos. Yeah, that would be kind of funny, actually. We're getting a nice little, uh, nice little banter there. Um, but yes, uh, as a matter of, like in some recent uh, post-match comments, Will has been incredibly big-headed in his in his commentary. He's been very uh, adamant about Hiromu not being ready, and he's pretty much been making statements about how he is the one and only true junior heavyweight champion right now, and that you know he's pretty much the be-all, end-all, or at least figuratively speaking, saying that the latter. Um, so if history is to be believed in terms of what, uh, happens to chaos members that do get a big head, I see Hiromu winning and it would be a really good moment for those that are watching live. Oh, absolutely. Some will disagree with giving Hiromu the belt back that quick, but let's be real. There's. Not that much else Osprey needs to do as a junior heavyweight. So mm-hmm. if this is the end of Will Osprey, the junior heavyweight, then he's got belts to someone who can carry the junior heavyweight division to new heights while Osprey can move up to new heights of his own. Exactly. And let's be realistic here. Will Ospreay has taken the belt as high as I think he can possibly take it. Um at least within the scope of his original mission of trying to sort of bridge the gap between junior and plain heavyweight. Um, he's proven to be able to stand up and, and, you know, uh, be the athlete that he needs to be in both weight classes. So, and the junior ceiling is, you know, not, not the highest in, uh, by re- relatively speaking. There's definitely Agreed. a lot of work uh, in the junior division. Uh, but as far as Will's situation and what his mission statement is in terms of uh, uh, trying to sort of helm uh, this... Oh, God, what was the point I was trying to make? Uh, okay, so... <clears throat> if he's really trying to move on and, and sort of, you know... Get get greater challenges or, or find better opportunities within uh, the within New Japan as he's continuing to develop as a professional wrestler, as a performer, as a character, and all of this. Then he kind of has done everything he could with the belt. Hiromu Takahashi is unquestionably and has been even before his injury incredibly popular within the junior division. No one else. Can no one else is really outside of maybe peak Kushida? Uh, I don't think there's been very many other junior wrestlers uh, for the current crop, or at least you know within this generation of uh of guys that has garnered as much you know positive response and 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 sustained uh, reactions than Hiromu has. Agreed. I mean, it says a lot when a guy can miss a year plus due to injury come back and still get as loud a pop as Hiromu got. That shows mm-hmm. just how popular that guy is. And yeah, as long as he can keep himself from getting hurt, the junior division's going to be in explosive. 
but good hands. Yeah, yeah. I see what you did there. Explosive. Time bomb. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm, I'm just going to have to point to the one little girl that's in the Yoshihashi fan club. Uh, I'm sorry, darling. That club's going to close because, man, there are better people out there. And Hiromu is absolutely better. So uh, there's definitely more of a case for Hiromu winning in this in this match. So I think I think the edge goes to Hiromu if we were going to you know pick somebody in all this. True. Plus, it's a rare opportunity to see William be a snobby British heel. So I'm with it for sure. And next we go into the semifinals match with Tetsuya Naito challenging champion intercontinental champion uh, switchblade Jay White. And this is where we begin to whittle down the double gold dash. Man, let's talk about the history between these two. Since Jay White uh, won, or not even winning the Intercontinental Championship, but even before then, ever since he and Tetsuya Naito locked horns, man, White has done everything he could to get under, to try to get under Naito's skin, or at least to sort of uh, really make sure that everybody is as disgusted with him as possible. What with all the uh, you know taunting of all the Lij mannerisms and all that, and and uh, pointing out Tetsuya's uh, destino and his are intertwined the way that they are, and all that in terms of what they're overall mission statements have been um i think it's been really interesting to see the magn i wouldn't say, i don't know if magnanimous is the right word but or if meteoric really is but you look at jay white since his return uh, a couple of years ago and despite getting swatted down by tanahashi with the swiftness of obama smacking the god smacking that fly out the air uh <laughs> Uh, I mean, it makes sense when you really think about it because dude was like, nope, you're not ready. But since then, since getting pulled into chaos and, you know, snaking his way through the ranks that way, creating chaos within chaos and eventually, you know, reigniting the maliciousness of the Bullet Club post elite, you know, he's really done a lot as far as making you know putting himself within the public awareness and and really messing with people and especially messing with the hopes that people have for someone like Tetsuya Naito who continues to be the uh scr- the scrappy underdog that you know everybody loves and and wants to see good things happen despite his circumstances but continues to sort of be the almost man, the 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 nearly man, uh, and not on Goto levels of nearly man, because you know, Naito's light. no matching that. Yeah, no. <laughs> There's no matching Goto level ever, man. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, Naito and Goto are absolutely on different levels as far as that goes. Uh, but it all still comes down to the fact that Naito and White are, in a sense, polar opposites. Uh, probably some of the best polar opposites that we've got going on right now. And I, I say this because, you know, 
while LIJ are at their core an anti-hero uh, stable, a tweener stable, you know, they've had for ever since their creation uh, back in like what, 2015, I want to say maybe before then. Uh, yeah. So around 2014, 2015, somewhere around there, even since, you know, Naito's returned to, to New Japan and and then all the flack that he's gotten since then uh, because of how badly his Stardust Genius stuff was received and the forced, the Roman Reigns-esque push that he's had uh, at that time, since remodeling his everything and creating a stable of uh, fellow stalwarts that just want to put on great matches and say, fuck the, uh, fuck the authority. Uh, you know, they've pretty much gotten a, a strong backup of support and, 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 and fan encouragement. Whereas white walks the hallowed halls alone, you know, reveling in the reign of booze that that follow him everywhere whether it be in japan and whether it be in america especially in america you will hear your your fuj white chants all day every day and it's personally it's not fair because i mean come on fastest rising star in professional wrestling <laughs> uh but yeah especially in 2019 if anything let it be said right now we love me. I love me some Maxwell Jacob Friedman, but damn it, if there has not been a crazy, crazy rise in stock for Jay White in the last year plus since winning the uh, heavyweight championship earlier this year or earlier that year in 2019. Excuse me, I'm still in 2019 mode. Um, but anyway, they've both really set an environment for themselves. That's incredibly volatile, perfect for for both of them, given their uh, fragile psyches, uh, especially, you know, on, on White's side, him being the conniving character, whereas, you know, Naito's still sort of the uh, uh, fuck the world, but I still kind of want to be liked uh, sort of personality. And I think those are some interesting traits that should uh, be put on the forefront in this match. And I and depending on who, uh, I feel like whoever it is that really gets the best possible opportunity to really change the flow of things, uh, this could I, I get the feeling that this could be match of the night. And I'm not just saying that because of my standing of Naito and uh, and White. I really hate using that term, but unfortunately that's what the kids use. So I'm going to have to use it. But mm. yeah, I really feel like this could be a huge, uh, a huge match. If, if not a sleeper hit, uh, given that white's involved, how do you feel about this match? Well, yeah, this, if not Hiromu versus Osprey, just for the fact that it's Naito whom everyone loves and Switchblade, who everyone loves to hate, crowd will be wide awake for this match, and it'll probably... Well, okay, there's going to be a lot of show stealers on night one. Let's be real about that. But for the match that will have the most emotional investment, if it's not Hiromu versus Osprey, I guarantee you it'll be Naito versus Switchblade, because... This whole double gold thing was Naito's idea, 
and now he's on the verge of having to look at it from the outside. Yeah, like everyone, almost everyone's gonna have Naito winning this one, and honestly, I have Naito winning it too. But can you imagine the vitriol in Tokyo Dome if Switchblade manages to retain and just shuts Naito out once and for all on this double gold stuff? There is something so good about the coin toss for who could win or who could lose in this case because because it leads into night two or at least you know sets the tone for anticipation for the following match after that because you want to eventually see somebody beat the ever-loving tar out of white uh the following night and you know make sure that he you know doesn't become that esteemed soon to be uh, you know, double champion status, but at the same time, you can't help but want to cheer for uh, someone like Naito who has had his dream uh, sort of pulled from under the rug, or at least, it, it, well, correction, his first original major dream was the main event at Tokyo Dome. He did that uh, like in, about a couple years ago, so he at least has that. But this new goal that he set up of being double champion, he was the first one to step up with it, like you said. Uh, and to have somebody, you know, continue to infringe upon that as they've been doing for the past several months. Nah, I, I'm sure Naito won't stand for that. And it'd be great to see him, you know, uh, stand up victorious to white, raise the Intercontinental Championship and, uh, work towards being the double champion against whoever it is that wins the match after that. It, 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 it's there's strong potential for really good moments uh, for this. I, th- if this match is going to be more important than people like than people think, because it's a package deal, you're gonna ha- you're gonna be able to you're probably gonna go into uh, the following match and night two with one of two different kinds of anticipation to see Jay White get his ass kicked. Or to see, uh, well, not even two. That's a bit too limiting. I want to say maybe like four or five different levels of anticipation to either see Jay White lose badly, or to see Jay White, you know, rustle some jimmies as he's, you know, prone to do and very goodly, very well at that, or to see Naito get his uh, dream snuffed out, or to see him uh, succeed. And what he's been pushing for and really get that proverbial, you know, satisfaction of being able to do the LIJ roll call and close the Wrestle Kingdom event in Tokyo Dome, letting everybody know who LIJ are. Yeah, everyone's been waiting for it and really it's been quite a while since we've gotten the roll call. Like, mm-hmm. and we've never gotten the full roll call with Hiromu out. So it'll be nice to finally be able to see Naito do that roll call with all six members there. But he's got to handle this first. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't know how many people have Switchblade actually winning this match because, you know, he's the villain. Villains require comeuppance. So. Switchblade, for as great a heel as he's been, he shouldn't be winning this match. But it does 
that's quite all right. But at the end of the day, this has this is Naito's to win. Mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly agree. I had my dream of uh, well, I, I mean, not my dream of seeing White as champion because you know he he was IWGP champion earlier in 2019, so we had him at a high point already, and. He can stand to suffer another defeat if need be, and this really won't be too hard of a loss for him. Because um, Bullet Club, for all of its veracity and all of its uh, all of its thick well, I, wouldn't say, I don't know if I want to call it thick skin, but um, for all of its longevity, it really knows how to stick around, even with all the. Uh, even with all the shakeups within it, whether it be roster shakeups or even uh, shifts in uh, status amongst everyone, you know? So, sure. yeah. Um, I don't think White would suffer from a loss against Naito. It'd be interesting to see where things go if he does win. But if we're really going to go for a, a even bigger moment... There's no reason that Naito shouldn't win this one. Agreed. This is Naito's match to win. Switchblade's been a great character, but this isn't his moment. Not just yet. Yeah, never mind uh, his uh, that this is match to win. This is, I think this is Naito's story to fulfill. And, and to continue that story, there are two other pieces to this, which lead us to the final of night one. Kota Ibushi challenging Kazuchika Okada, the ever- Present, ever, strong, ever, defending IWGP heavyweight champion, Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada. Um, now, these two, of course, have been, you know, playfully tugging at each other's ears, trying to get the mental uh, one up on the other on their way to the Tokyo Dome. And I don't know. I personally am a bit more compelled with the Naito White situation. Because, I don't know, it feels to me, if, if they want to put the belt on Ibushi, this could be a really good opportunity, but I don't think it's going to happen for Ibushi. I say this because, uh, along with what's going on here with Naito, you know, again, this was sort of his story that he started, and it's only fair that Naito finally get the moment that he should be getting. Um, and on top of that, Ibushi uh, has a lifetime contract. He has quite a few opportunities pending that he doesn't uh, completely snap his neck apart that if where he could win the uh, championship. And he doesn't necessarily have to be against Okada. It'd be a great uh, scenario to be in. It'd be a great opportunity to be in and a great way to shake shit up. Um, but Okada is too much of the face of the company and such a good one at that to drop the belt at this point. And I think it'd be great to see Okada and Naito again in a Wrestle Kingdom scenario to sort of uh, punctuate the efforts that Naito made back in Wrestle Kingdom 12 to and to also highlight what Naito has learned from that and what he probably would try to do to fix what he believes went wrong or what you try to correct what he did wrong 
at at WK12. Agreed. Now, okay. First thing to remember going into this match between Ibushi and Okada, they've mm-hmm. pretty much already given Ibushi most of the keys to the castle. I mean, he signed that contract, like you said. He went on to win the Intercontinental Championship in Madison Square Garden. That was big. He got to win the G1, finally. That was big. But giving him the heavyweight championship just because he signed the contract, I don't see that happening here. Yeah. And... You've also got the fact that Okada comes into this Wrestle Kingdom after sustaining a loss last year, which is not something you get to see, you get to say too often. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the fact that the heavyweight championship changed hands through a G1 winner last year, which that was the first time that ever happened. So there are too many things going against Ibushi here for me to see him winning. So, yes, I am a fan of Ibushi, but I don't think he's winning this. All the same, though, man, the, Ibushi's going to get the stuffing beat out of him. Uh, but at the same time, and we know we all know Okada and his capacity for punishment. Uh, I wonder... What kind of ma- crazy spots Ibushi's going to try to pull against Okada, uh, especially when he goes into that sort of red zone that he kind of gets when shit gets real serious. You know what I mean? I mean, as long as he doesn't have any high things to jump off of, we'll be okay. Well, it's the Tokyo Dome. Uh, let's not forget that Will Ospreay did kind of do a moonsault off of uh, one of the scaffoldings. Uh, well, not even the scaffolding, but like one of the uh, the supports for uh, for the scaffolding that they had over there. So, if Ibushi wanted to, I'm sure he probably could do something with that. <laughs> we'll see what happens, but something tells me that both guys are going to be worse for wear after this match, and that's going to lead into night two, and it's going to be some crazy shit. Now, speaking of which, let's move on into night two and see what uh, what's in store for that. Starting yep. off. With the uh, starting off with the uh, pre-show, we have a gauntlet match for the six-man never open weight six-man tag team championships. Ooh, we thought we couldn't we wouldn't see that at the Tokyo Dome at all this year, huh? Oh, oh. oh bother! <laughs> it's gonna be pretty much your standard fare of uh, mid-card guys across various factions. Uh, you got your Lij, Suzuki Gun, Bullet Club, Chaos. And interestingly, MVP. No, not Montel Vontavious Porter. We're talking about the most violent players team of Makabe, Yano, and Taguchi, who are, of course, the reigning champions. It's easy to forget that they're the champions in the first place because of how little the six-man tag uh, titles have been featured this year, uh, the past year. They've been champions for, as of, as of January 5th, they'll have been champions for... I believe a full year. They've only defended championships four times going into this match. It'll be their fifth defense. If ever there were a championship that mattered minimally, you're looking at it. (laughs) Well, it is going to be a pre-show match, so by definition, it's not going to be the biggest deal. Indeed. Mm -hmm. So, yep, 
You've got Taguchi, Yano, and Makabe defending. Um, representing Chaos are Robbie Eagles, Yoshihashi, and Tomohiro Ishii. Why is Ishii on a pre-show match? I never know. Well, it's that's eternal suffering for the Ishii fan. You've got Bushi, Takagi, and Evil. How are Takagi and Evil on a pre-show? Well, because New Japan is evil. Everything is evil, and nothing is fair sometimes. Well, I, 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 I don't mean, know. It sucks. <laughs> it fucking sucks to see well, evil put down in this capacity, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, granted, yes, we're all a little bored of seeing evil and Sonata tag at Wrestle Kingdom, so we're getting a little something different. So yeah. in that regards, I'm grateful, but I mean... Last year wasn't really the best year for Evil, but I still think he does deserve a slightly higher stage than the pre-show. Yeah. Anyways, you've also got the Suzuki-Gun team of Kanemaru, Desperado, and Taichi. And rounding things out are the Bullet Club trio of Chase Owens, Yujiro Takahashi, and Bad Luck Fale. As, as usual, yeah, basically. Now, of course... I'm not picking a winner for this match because I will never dare bet against Yano. And then it's for the least important belt in Japan, at least. (laughs) Well, you could argue that it's the least important set of belts in the planet, the way that they're being used. But that would be a bit too harsh, even for the never belts. Look, there are less important championships being treated as if they're world championships. I'm not going to name names here. I think I know what you're talking about. We'll leave it at that. Uh, And we'll leave that match at that, too. So moving into the main card, possibly one of the hardest things we'll ever have to see. Jushin Thunder Liger is official retirement match. He will be teaming up with Naoki Sano and be seconded, uh, I guess thirded, if we're talking numbers here, uh, by Yoshiaki Fujiwara. As Liger faces off against modern-day junior heavyweight megastars in Hiromu Takahashi and the recently renamed Ryu Lee, formerly Dragon Lee of CMLL, now of Ring of Honor, Ryu Lee. Huh. Right. Yeah. So, whereas the Liger retirement match from night one focused on... Liger's past. This is Liger turning an eye to the future. And yeah, Hiromu and Ryu Lee are most definitely the future of junior heavyweight wrestling. So if this is how Liger chooses to go out, that he's picking two great wrestlers to entrust the future to in Hiromu and Lee. So I can see a lot of tears flowing in the Tokyo Dome. I can't see i'm gonna be ready to see that match happen but this is where pats lead to in wrestling and at least liger gets to retire on his own terms for that we should be happy absolutely uh again this comes down to another major learning experience to see liger stand up to uh stand up to the new guard and really uh, test his medal against these high-speed freaks in Ryu Lee and, and, and Hiromu Takahashi. Which, by the way, uh, I don't know if they've ever tagged before 
but since we we know of Lee and Takahashi as being eternal rivals way back when in uh, or way back when, but uh, both in their time in in Mexico in Hiromu's time in Mexico anyway, and with in within the last several years too with their uh, spats for the IWGP Junior ta- uh, Junior Championship. Uh, but this is an interesting situation where, where they're both teaming up, you know? Yeah, like, it's not too often you see a strange be- bedfellow situation like this, teaming with the guy who very nearly ended your career and killed you, but that's where we are, and I'm sure they've let bygones be bygones by now anyway. Yeah, probably. But it'll be, it'll be, interesting. It'll be great to see, it'll be fun to see, and also be hard to see. There's a lot of emotion going into this thing, and I think it's uh, going to be uh, kind of a really tough pill to swallow when that three count hits, and you know that Liger is over. Not not even over like Rover, like he typically is, but just over. Done. Yeah. Finished. Final match. Man. Well. We'll prepare ourselves for the inevitable sadness following that in the next few days. But meanwhile, let's be happy about the fact that Liger's going out on good terms as we look into more of the future of juniors, where we see junior heavyweight champion, tag team champions, better said, uh, El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori defending against uh, Sho and Yo over Punky 3K. Um, uh, not sure how to feel about the about this right now it's pretty much just another uh situation with the uh uh, super junior tag league trophies being all it's pretty much the reward match for show for showing you winning the super junior tag league and basically yeah um they've won the super junior tag league before right like the last couple of years consecutively they are three-time back-to-back-to-back Super Junior Tag winners. That's insane. And meanwhile, their track record for winning the dang championships afterwards is actually kind of good, if if you think about it. I mean, I I don't know. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Have they won? They've they've won the tag tag championships shortly after winning the uh, Super Junior Tag League, right? They're three-time champions. They first won it after they... Feed um, the team of Taguchi and Ryusuke after winning the first their first Super Junior Tag Tournament. Um, they won it for a second time, I believe, uh, over the Young Bucks. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about that. No, and it was I forget- uh, definitely the Young Bucks. Yeah, because I think Young Bucks were the champs at Wrestle Kingdom 12. Yes, they and, uh, yeah, yeah they defeated Rapongi 3K at Wrestle Kingdom. Rapongi 3K took it back, and then they lost it to the team of Desperado and Kanemaru. Mm-hmm. Now, those two teams definitely have a history right there. Um, and this... Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead, the go third ahead. win for Rapongi 3K came in a three-way match, I believe, last year's Wrestle Kingdom, with, um, which was also just like a repeat of the Super Junior Tag League Final. It was against um, the LIJ team of Bushi and Shingo and Kanemaru and Desperado and showing you. Okay, it's I don't remember if it was Wrestle Kingdom or anywhere between that, but 
I do know that Rapongi 3K did eventually take the belts off of Kanemaru and Desperado, who took them off of Bushi and Takagi. Mm-hmm. Basically, welcome to New Japan's junior tag team division. Sometimes I wonder why they even have one. Oh, hell. Or, or hell, the tag teams in general, regardless of weight class, because half the time, it's hard to tell what's going on. Right. But anyway, all that aside, yes, this is, I believe, the third consecutive junior tag title match that Show and Yo will be wrestling at Wrestle Kingdom. Right. They have been chasing Phantasmo and Ishimori to get their Super Junior Tag League trophies back for two months and finally got them back at the last Road to Tokyo Dome show. So at least they'll actually come in with their trophies finally. Now the question is, do they become four-time champions? I don't see why not. Mm, I say no, personally. (laughs) I don't think Sho and Yo need it. Because at this point they're just using at this point they're just tallying uh, title wins and not really getting them in any uh, I don't know to me it doesn't really feel like I think they've they've won it enough times but it doesn't really feel like those reigns have been uh, used in any major way but then again that's probably more so the booking decisions in, in New Japan than it is their fault so I don't know. I would right. like to say – I personally would like to say that for this match, I want to say Ishimori and Phantasmo come out of it. Just because – Yeah. No, no. That's – it's fair enough. Because, like, you know, I get that it's a lot of fun to see Sho and Yo keep chasing the tag belts like this, but – it's starting to feel a bit empty when you realize that it's been this way for like the past three years straight. You're absolutely right. That's so, why I'm looking at it the way I am. Mm. So I personally think that Bullet Club will keep the title belts coming out of uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14. And Sho and Yo will just have to keep fighting harder to get it back at a, in another capacity. Because you can't, because as, as many times as they've won... They've been the model tag team winning the right ways. They need they need more uh, adversity, I think, or more complex adversity other than just, you know, OK, we'll win the we'll win this tournament uh, and we'll get the tag title shots that way. Uh, that's starting to become a slight bit formulaic with them. And I don't think that that's fair to Sho and Yo because they're both really good guys, really good performers, uh, very charismatic uh, on top of that. And they've, they've obviously got their, you know, selection of fans here and there. Um, but they, I think they deserve more. They, they deserve a better uh, situation. They do. And that's the fault of a junior tag division existing where it's not needed at all. Yeah, but we'll see what happens. Uh, that said, we then move on from one uh, championship match to another, which will include, which will have Sanada facing off against the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Champion Zack Saber Jr. for the title belt. Um, this is an interesting situation because, I mean, is there really a reason for Sanada to take to have the Rev Pro belt at all? I don't know. 
maybe they're going to maybe they're going to try to test the waters to see uh, if Zach if uh, Zach if uh, Sonata has what it takes to carry the weight of a championship belt or, or I guess like a heavyweight belt and uh, take that or do something interesting with it. Yeah, that's very possible. I mean, normally I would chime in and say because of Sonata's contract status, as in he hasn't signed a contract with New Japan and works as a freelancer, he's not winning the championship. But this being a championship from an outside promotion, uh, it's hard to really make that call. So, I mean, Sonata's been getting a lot of shine throughout the past year. So maybe he does get the surprise win and gets to be champion in Britain for a bit. I mean, we know he's got the, the fashion sense for it, but past that, um, just, it just feels like a championship match to have a championship match. Yeah, which isn't bad in uh, in in at, at the core of it all, because at the end of the day, it's still a Sonata match, and those tend to be really good. It's gonna be interesting to see how those two uh, evolve their, or at least you know where they take their uh, their wrestling styles with each other. Because if the G1 climax opening night was anything to go by, uh, and I guess any of their subsequent matches from there, because they have had a few since then, I think if I recall correctly. Um, but they're both really, they're, they're both gel. Well, uh, the Sonata high fly, uh, high flying style, uh, and occasional technical, uh, Marvel that he can pull off that leads into the skull end somehow. Uh, It'd be it, it's always good to kind of see the different counters that Zack Saber also kind of uh, can muster and use to slow things down, slow the pace down, uh, bring more attention to the psychology of things, and 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 you know get people to sort of uh, be mindful of the damage that that he's that he would be slowly giving to Sonata over the course of a match like that. Uh, especially when I, I like to think that Sonata probably is going to go in there thinking I'm going to, you know, beat this guy, uh, and, and, and do so quickly with style, you know, cause I'm Sonata thumbs up. Uh, I was trained by Keiji Muto. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Uh, I think it, it'll be a really good exhibition. I think it'll be another good layer to add to their rivalry, but I don't necessarily see Sonata. I don't know. Do you now that I think about it? Because you said that obviously this is not a belt that pertains to the IWGP, uh, or therefore it's not a New Japan Pro Wrestling belt, so there's no risk involved if uh, if one were to drop it. Now the question is then, do the people in charge at Rev Pro? have a problem with Sonata taking the belt. I don't think they do. If anything, uh, I, I have no idea what his rea- what his reception has been uh, when going to the Ref Pro shows in the past uh, several years at this point. But if his charisma locally is anything to go by, or at least the reactions that he gets, uh, I'm of the opinion that he probably could come out of it winning the belt 
if not for a short time, to maybe drop it back to Zack Sabre down the line or something. Perhaps, perhaps, because, I mean, if you're going to have the fever dream of LIJ holding championships while Naito does the roll call, it requires Sonata to get the win here. So if we're doing that and he's just going to drop it to ZSJ the next time they meet one-on-one, that's fine. But just, it's, I equate this to when there would be a Ring of Honor World Championship match at a Wrestle Kingdom. It's just there, literally there. You know, now that I think about it, when you, when you put it that way, as far as the uh, potential Naito uh, victory overall across both nights, that could be a good opportunity to see uh, the pre-show match with the six-man tag belts be won by the LIJ team there to sort of... Uh, lead eventually toward that if that is the if that is indeed the plan um but that's just more wishful thinking on my end but that's still, that's still going to be uh an interesting wrinkle to uh think about if anything now aside from uh potentials with championships we then look on to the potential of another match involving an, uh, a championship that some of that the parties involved do have history with now, the fourth match on the main card, we'll see Juice Robinson, fresh out of his, you know, win or loss match against G.O.D., facing off against whoever it is that survives the Texas Death Match. Now, I know we've both pretty much have, haven't really made up our minds about, at least have, I don't feel like we've maybe made up our minds 100% about who could win in this here, but... Um, uh, if there's anybody for Robinson to face off against in night two for the U.S. belt, who do you think makes the most sense in this case? Moxley. Figured as much. Yeah. I think uh, if Moxley were to come in, they could finally get the rubber match that they were supposed to have in the first place. Well, at least the one for the title. Well, they're, they're still tied, right? Um, yeah, it's one and one between Juice and Moxley. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, th- this will be a really good opportunity for them to have the rubber match that they should have had uh, way back in October. Right. Now, with Juice, he has an opportunity to achieve double gold of his own if he comes into this match as tag team champion. Very true. Very true. It's definitely a lot of double gold implications. Man, that double gold name is just really catchy. It's really starting to feel like it's a major theme for this weekend. Well, it is a major theme. It's kind of obvious, isn't it? It is. Now, people, when it was announced the Jews would get this match, people kind of balked against it. I can see why it's because, like, for some reason, Juice doesn't have a large fan base. Like, you either like him or you don't, which is the reality of a lot of things. But in the booking standpoint, it makes perfect sense. He has history with both Moxley and Archer. He has unfinished business with Moxley, and then Archer swept in and took his belt from him. He is the former champion, and is thus owed a rematch. So it doesn't matter if it's 
Archer or Moxley, at least it's Juice getting the championship match he's owed, which is how pro wrestling, you know, that's how pro wrestling normally works, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it can be definitely argued in that direction. I mean, it's better than the alternative of having a triple threat for the belts, which I'd be okay with, but really, I don't. It depends on who survives. Smart Moxley versus Archer. Yeah, if we were to a triple threat would kind of put things against Robinson in that scenario. I don't think that'd be fair. Exactly. Juice yeah. does. He's at least owed a one-on-one opportunity. Mm-hmm. For sure. But uh, either way, it should still be a fine match. But I'm 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 pulling for Moxley to come out of it and uh, be the one that Juice faces, just so we can at least get that finality that they are owed to each other. Indeed. As and beyond that deep-seated rivalry, we go to another deep-seated one between uh, Hiroki Goto challenging Kenta for the Never Open Weight Championship. Um. I'm not quite sure how I feel about this uh, rivalry because this kind of came off of the heels of the uh, sort of Shibata influenced shenanigans, or at least the one the the shenanigans from Kenta that uh, started after he kind of spat in Shibata's face and joined the Bullet Club uh, at the some so, so months ago. Um, and since then, Kent has kind of been very weird. <laughs> There's no other way to go around it. Like if anybody, like if you're following his like Twitter or whatever, if and you obviously if you can read Japanese or whatever, or navigate Google Translate, um, and also seeing like the post comment stuff that he's been doing, he's been oh so strange with his uh, rivalries between himself and Ishii, and then eventually with uh, Goto, because man. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something about this odd form of uh, how should I put it? This odd form of uh, uh, poking the lion with a stick method that Kent is kind of doing, where you know he's over here calling both Ishi and 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 Goto by you know these weird nicknames and stuff like that, and and you know trying to you know be all be cutesy in a sort of condescending manner. I'm not used to that from Kenta, but then again, that's only because I, I remember his uh, failed run elsewhere in America. So this isn't something that I'm kind of used to from him, but uh, I'm wondering where this will go. Um, I don't know how much has been built from this. I'm not sure what the uh, feeling is, regarding this uh rivalry but who knows it's the never belt on top of that and and we all know how uh it hasn't really been given the best spotlight in the last couple of years but with kenta involved um do you think this could be a turn for the better for that belt it could be now i'm gonna say i was right there with you when you had mentioned that hey, I'm not really looking forward to this match. I mean, neither was I, because on the surface, it's another Hiroki Goto never openweight championship match in the Tokyo Dome. We've seen that how many times now? But 
as we're recording this show, I've been watching Wrestle Kingdom 13. Last year, Goto was in the pre-show Never Six-Man Gauntlet, which was not on the main card. So that was Goto taking... He Remember, he took that gamble as Never Openweight Championship. Champion, sorry. He goaded Ibushi into challenging him for the belt. Ibushi didn't want it until Goto said, all right, now I'm going to take the championship back. Ibushi accepted the challenge, won the belt, so-and-so. Basically, yeah, this we've seen Goto throughout this past year claw his way back up. So, yeah, this is another Hiroki Goto match for the Never Openweight Championship in the Tokyo Dome. But he, he's gotten back to this after a year of having downgraded himself. So there's that plus for Kenta. I think Kevin Kelly said during the Road to Tokyo Dome shows that this will be Kenta's first Tokyo Dome match since I think 2003 or five. So I think this means a lot for Kenta. Agreed. Uh, it's definitely a very, uh, very interesting point you make about um, about this. Uh, I don't know. There's <laughs> there's definitely a sense of uh, change for how the never open weight belt is being approached. Uh, it's definitely still got the strong style sort of connotations when you got someone like Kenta behind the wheel and, 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 and taking it in the direction that he's taking it. Um, but maybe with what he's learned from his time in America and what it is that maybe what he's uh, sort of garnered from that, you know, this could be uh, an interesting scenario um, maybe it's just something. Maybe it's just something that needs uh, sort of a re- uh, re- repeated watching or uh, deeper analysis, just to get a better feel for what Kenta's trying to get across. Um, all the same, though, the fact that he's back in the Tokyo Dome after so many years uh, in, under different circumstances and under a different promotion, on top of that, um, is obviously a great thing for him. And there's obviously no knocking that, uh, having the opportunity to do that again. So um, it should be interesting to see where this leads or what um, what results from this. Right. And the last point on Goto that I want to make is I think he's kind of accepted that this is his peak as a wrestler. Like It's a shame that he never got to be a iwgp heavyweight champion i think by now he has he's realized that he's not getting any younger and he's not going to be booked to win a belt that's greater than the never open weight championship so he's gonna put his all into this even though this match is about him having scratched and clawed his way back to where he was two years ago which isn't really saying much but uh, that's the curse of pro wrestling. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, I think the Goto's character 
and what he does uh, seems to fit for the never open weight championship and and the sort of pedigree that it has, or at least the history that it has with the wrestlers, uh, with the lineage of wrestlers that have held it. So I don't think it's necessarily all that bad. I just hope that the man behind the character isn't too um, isn't too messed up about that, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully that works out for him because in the next uh, match, it's more so of a blow off of people that didn't quite just make the cut. Uh, match uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Match six of the main card will pretty much be the blow off between the losers, the losers of the double gold dash. So whoever loses between Okada and Ibushi faces off against whoever loses to White and Naito. Um, so based on the logic that we've, uh, come to, uh, agree on, if Okada is to remain champion and Naito is to surpass white and, you know, continue on to try to accomplish his dream of being double gold holder, then we can possibly expect, or at least we'd like to see Ibushi and white, uh, and that hasn't happened since uh, the G1 Climax 29 Finals. Exactly. There will be a G1 Final Rematch. Mm-hmm. And while there won't really be any stakes involved necessarily, it'll still be a great match, I think. Probably to set something up uh, between the between the people that uh, end up in this sort of lo- in this uh, losers bracket of sorts. Um, if, if, if Ibushi and White are the ones to do so, I think it'll be great. Will we see a, a repeat of the G1 Climax Finals? I don't think so, because, again, there's really no stakes involved. But given that Ibushi's involved, there's almost always going to be some near-broken necks or near-broken appendages or, or, you know, scary situations involved that... Uh, probably could be set up and white will probably try to sort of you know take the uh win from under everybody's sails and try to you know be the smarmy asshole somehow you know true true now basically yeah this will be a match for third place and nobody likes competing for third place no one uh and speaking of third well well, that match was really the third place match of the, you know, ending to, towards the ending of the overall weekend anyway. True. Because next is the semifinal, Actually, which is... Actually, before we get to that, sorry. I oh, mean, yeah, sure, sure. There are no stakes in that match, but you gotta admit, whoever comes out of that match is the winner. They very likely get to lay claim to challenging whoever does come out of this double gold dash is the winner. So, if anything thing that's what's on the line you know what how I, I can't believe i was blind to that possibility because after all these people the, whoever it is both losers on both sides of that match are going to be contenders for whatever talent for whatever title they lost right. so they definitely and have stake to they have a claim to stake uh they can stake a claim for either the individual title itself or they could go for both if they wanted to and if it does wind up being Ibushi versus White, I 
see White winning that one. I mean, someone's going to be coming out of the two-day Wrestle Kingdom with the 0-2. I don't see it being Jay White. Mm-hmm. Because he still he still needs to be the smarmy asshole uh, for this. And again, as we noted, the guy's playing that role so well. Uh, he's on some. Uh, he's really on some. Uh, I don't really necessarily want to use the name, but he's on some Randall Orton uh, vibes as far as his sort of the way that he kind of like uh, you know drains the excitement from people in in, in certain ways. Um, but at the very least, you know, Jay White, it has a somewhat memorable personality by comparison. Um, so I think that'll definitely be to White's advantage at the end of the day. Ibushi will still have his fan base and he'll still have his uh, support base. Uh, the guy literally prints money, I think, because of the stuff that he does. And his, he does. Yeah. And really, if it is White versus Ibushi... White's career is younger that he should be able to get the win here as a consolation prize and keep himself at the top of New Japan. Ibushi, even though he's only finally signed a contract, he's been around longer. He's sustained enough, like heavy enough losses that something like this will be light. It's not going to take away the fact that he won probably the most competitive G1 Climax tournament so far. So, mm-hmm. if Ibushi comes out of this with the 0-2, it's not going to hurt him as much as it would Jay White. Right. Man. All these possibilities. It's, it's, it's crazy good. It's crazy. Man. There is also the possibility that the match could be Okada versus White, which is a Wrestle Kingdom 13 rematch in itself. True. That's something I'd definitely be down to see again, uh, whether for better or for worse. But if that happens, then that means the main event winds up being Naito versus Ibushi, a.k.a. a funeral. <laughs> that is uh, quite a high possibility, yes, if, if uh, their history is anything to go by. Let's talk about that. After the next match, because you were getting ready to go to that. Yes, indeed. This is uh, another high-profile match. Uh, High-profile, not so much for the potential of work rate, but more so in its spectacle, in its characters, in its attraction factor. Ladies and gentlemen, the the semifinal is a special single match involving the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi versus the returning pain maker, Le Champion, the man of a thousand and four nicknames, probably, never mind rest holds, uh, the one and only Chris Jericho. Now, I have been really looking forward to see what Jericho does uh, after uh, after his uh, loss against Okada. It was it Dominion, right? At Dominion. Dominion, right. Dominion 2019. I keep thinking Dominion, and I still think back to Okada v. Omega 2, uh, 4, excuse me, 4, uh, by default. It is is really hard to forget. It is, man. Uh, But enough of that. Uh, Right now, you know, he, last we saw Jericho in a New Japan ring, 
He pretty much uh, shat on everybody's joy by beating the uh, ever-loving stuffing out of Okada after getting the uh, lucky sort of sit-down pin. Uh, after being pinned by Okada in a, in a sort of a quick sort of roll or whatever. And uh, yeah, Tanahashi wasn't having it. Jumped over the guardrail, started trying to whoop some ass. And uh, Jericho in good old heel fashion ran off. Making people remember the new name Bakahashi. <laughs> oh, man. Wonderful. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's so good to see Chris Jericho continue to be all, always changing, always uh, n- never conforming to just one uh, way of, of drawing heat. And man, this guy, ugh, Jericho, is without question uh, one of the best uh stories of the of the last couple of years i think in terms of a career revival if ever there is um outside of a few other select names that we won't touch upon for the moment until we maybe do another an episode about that but if we're speaking about jericho specifically when it comes to career revivals or at least career reboots jericho is definitely up there he is for sure now regarding the spectacle that the match brings yeah mm-hmm. it actually rivals the double gold dash in itself because of the gold implications of itself i mean it you have to wonder what stars aligned for us to get to this point but um new japan is acknowledging the existence of one all elite wrestling yes indeed uh after all, it was Tanahashi who kind of put the word out first. He did state in uh, Tokyo Sports that he wanted a ch- he wanted a shot at the AEW World Championship should uh, Tanahashi successfully defend the uh, defend himself uh, in the match. And obviously, uh, Jericho couldn't stand by and just let those idle words fly around and not be responded to. So what does, a, what does a champion in need of continued attention do? He responds. He says, Hey, Bakahashi. <laughs> oh, God. oh, what a name. Uh, but yeah, he responds in kind and acknowledges that. Yes. He will allow for that after having spoken with Tony Khan, the owner of All Elite Wrestling. There's been plenty of conversations running around uh, regarding the potential of a working relationship between New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Elite Wrestling. But then again, that's been the talk for the better part of the past couple of years uh, since uh, the Elite left. And they've been sort of doing their uh, actually pretty much since all in, I want to say, because, you know, obviously that show was incredibly successful uh, and with the potential that they had uh, coming out of it and all the goodwill that the elite had uh, from that, you know, there was pretty much no way that. At least in the, in, in the dreaming mind of the average indie wrestling fan, or at least the one that's not conforming to the stuff that's just here in America, um, at least for you know pre pre AEW, it was pretty much the the dream to have another major national level professional wrestling uh, 
organization teaming with New Japan Pro Wrestling and, you know, have their and, you know, be able to sort of bring that style of Japanese wrestling into the into the American fold. Um, but, you know, obviously things didn't have not turned out well in certain parties. And instead, we now live in a world where not only all elite wrestling is a reality, but there's also, of course, New Japan Pro Wrestling of America as a thing. Uh, but that's that's a conversation for some for another time. All the same right now. Yep. Yeah, uh, the fact of the matter is AEW has been acknowledged in an official New Japan Pro Wrestling capacity, so that is still very much a big deal, no matter how you spin it. Whether now what that means in terms of who has the potential to win, I don't know. I don't necessarily see. Uh, AEW being given too much of a chance with uh, New Japan in that capacity, but at the same time, giving Jericho the I at the same time Jericho winning, uh, beating Taka uh, uh, Hiroshi Takahashi, Tanahashi Wolf Taka Hiroshi Tanahashi beating the Ace is in and of itself probably one of the biggest accomplishments anybody could have in this in in, in this. Uh, modern stream of consciousness of professional wrestling it is and for what it's worth just because new japan is saying oh sure if tanahashi wins he gets the challenge for the aew world championship that's all well and good but at the same time that almost lets it be known that tanahashi is very likely not going to win yeah i mean thankfully there is no title on the line for this match because you know in any other capacity you'd think that this would have been a scenario for the iwgp heavyweight championship the way jericho's been uh running roughshod through the roster and uh you know forcing himself into title pictures uh in all of in, in pretty much all of his appearances uh in wrestle kingdom or just in new japan at all uh since wrestle kingdom 12 now this time this this is more so for uh bragging rights if anything and those are some pretty big bag bragging rights to have uh to say that you beat Hiroshi Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom missed at, at beating Mr. Wrestle Kingdom at Wrestle Kingdom That's a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, I mean this is Hiroshi Tanahashi like what can be said about him that hasn't already been said? Like, that's his legend. So a loss on January 4th isn't going to damage that legend, but it's going to wreck his psyche to know that um he came into the Tokyo Dome and lost. Well, I mean, as it stands, he's already coming into the Tokyo Dome a slight wreck because this will be the first time since I think 2005 that Hiroshi Tanahashi has not wrestled on January 4th. Right, and on as a matter of fact, yeah, he's not even on the on the on the card for the fourth. I just realized nope. that he's not, and that not at all. Exactly. That's that's the the most important date of all as far as uh, professional wrestling in the in the uh, Eastern world. Yeah, so for the ace to 
not have a match on January 4th. It's going to be playing games with his head. So will he be able to focus on Jericho and not on the fact that this match is happening on January 5th and the 4th? So Tanahashi's got that going against him. And then with Jericho, I mean, this isn't a win that he needs. But considering mm. his last match was a loss, uh, I have a hard time seeing him not winning. So, yeah, it's wishful thinking. We would love to see further inklings of a New Japan AEW relationship. That could be an entire episode in and of itself. But as far as the realm of this particular match, I give the edge to Jericho. For sure. Uh Neither man really needs to beat each other because they're both made men. But this is a once in a lifetime thing. And it'd be it'd be silly uh to pass up some to pass up something like this. So you know, business issues notwithstanding as far as the whole AEW New Japan thing. If we're just talking about the match as a story, as uh something uh, for for a narrative, and in particular for the Chris Jericho narrative, which you know the speaking of which the New Japan Pro Wrestling YouTube uh, that that recount show uh, with Kevin Kelly sort of chronicling a lot of major uh, points within New Japan's history. Which in case y'all don't watch it, please please do yourselves a favor and watch this stuff. It's incredibly detailed, very well uh, very well composed, very well expressed uh, information regarding various major story points of New Japan's uh, history and different storylines and characters. Um, but yeah, in the his, in, in Chris Jericho's revived uh, career in the modern day, um, he's gone into Wrestle Kingdom with nil uh, wins wise. His only major win was against uh, Naito for the Intercontinental Championship, uh, some uh, a year, like a, about a year plus ago. That's and, right, Dominion yeah. 2018. Right, it was that year. Okay, <sighs> 2018. What a good year it was um, for wrestling, anyway. For New Japan, on top of that. But yes, but, yeah. That so far is his only win in the modern uh, era right now. I don't know how many wins he had like way back when or whatnot because I'm not familiar with his career at that point. But um, but if we're looking at you know current Jericho and everything else in the pre- in the past notwithstanding, then yeah, he's got zero to show for Wrestle Kingdom victories. This would be the victory to have if he can't if he couldn't have Kenny Omega. If he couldn't maintain the Intercontinental Championship against Naito, then at this point he's gonna have to. And if, also, he, if he couldn't get the the IWGP Heavyweight Belt again after, uh, out of Okada's hands, which let's be real, it's Okada, you're not fucking winning. <laughs> yeah, that was laughable. <laughs> well, nothing against the guy. Okay, I, I totally 100% love Chris Jericho in all sense of the word. Guys, well, guys, great. Um, But the way that they've been booking Okada, Jericho really didn't need that. Um, He was bound to win regardless. But this against uh, Tanahashi is probably just as important, 
if not arguably a more important win to have uh when you really think about it it may not be peak tanahashi to beat but it's still tanahashi this is the same tanahashi who did a high fly flow onto a fucking table earlier in in in, in last year's wrestle in, in 2019 uh, wrestle kingdom 14 i mean 13 excuse me yeah yeah with like half a knee yeah like tanahashi absolute legend this is very likely the only time you're gonna see Tanahashi and Jericho one on one because they're both in the twilights of their respective careers. So it's not about what it could have been. It's just appreciating it for what it is. So they will pull out all the stops. Jericho will find a table or two, a chair or two. Tanahashi will bust out a high fly flow and an air guitar, but. When it comes down to it, this is really Jericho's match to win more so than Tanahashi's. For sure. So undoubtedly, this is Chris going to be. I, this is definitely going to be Chris Jericho's night. I think this is good. This Wrestle Kingdom is super important for various for their various narrative points, and this Chris Jericho situation is definitely one of them. This this match is definitely going to be the one where Chris Jericho comes out with a Wrestle Kingdom win. No doubt about that. And speaking of Wrestle Kingdom wins, the final match of night two, January 5th, the double gold dash match finals. The Ooh. IWGP. The biggest, possibly the biggest money match that starts off 2020. And probably the only major big money match you could really think of in 2020. Or hell, in pro wrestling in the last many years. (laughs) Never mind the last decade. But many years. The Intercontinental Champion. The Heavyweight Champion. Meeting at this stage. To finally see who's worthy of holding both straps. Winner take all. Winner take all man talk about going double or nothing right no kidding i mean <laughs> honestly no pun oh none none assumed so we going over the possibilities it's looking highly likely that the heavyweight champion coming into this match will be okada who two flying about being a double champion and he is not wrong for having that outlook on it because in his eyes he's holding the most important championship there is to hold in new japan so he's not wrong for thinking the way he is now on the other hand whomever he's facing is looking at it differently so everyone wanted to be naito it should be naito for the sake of Bringing the history between Okada and Naito full circle, it could also be Switchblade in that spot, and you risk a riot if, well, I mean, if there wasn't a riot from the first night, if Switchblade comes out of it still Intercontinental Champion, imagine a fire in the Tokyo Dome if it's Switchblade hoisting up both belts in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This uh-huh. has all the potential to be possibly the 
biggest, if not, if it isn't already from the hype alone, the biggest New Japan Pro Wrestling main event of just about all, all almost all time. It will really be. want to think about. It. Like, really, it will. Be. And it's gonna be hard to think about that. For in historian sense, as we're not the historians here, obviously a certain someone out in Cali uh, with a newsletter and observes wrestling, uh, and has observed wrestling for a longer time, is a deeper historian uh, in that regard. But I really can't think of any other situation where this isn't the biggest deal in the entire professional wrestling spectrum. I think. For what it's worth, this will be the biggest match in New Japan history. It'll be the biggest match in Japanese wrestling history. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, like, there's really no putting it any other way. Now, as I was alluding to earlier, the other possibility we've got here is that this match for the double gold is Ibushi as heavyweight champion versus Naito as intercontinental champion. Those two have not been in the same ring against each other since Dominion 2019, where Naito defeated Ibushi to reclaim the Intercontinental Championship. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they also nearly killed each other. Of course. That's to be expected at this point. Like, it got so bad that people did not want the match to happen again. Yeah. Now, we're facing the possibility of that being the main event of Wrestle Kingdom 14. Can you imagine the noise in the Tokyo Dome if it winds up being Ibushi versus Naito for double gold? That's going to be a very scary thing to process. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Tokyo Dome may legit blow up if it winds up being Ibushi versus Naito. I don't know. I mean, Madison Square Garden blew up pretty hard for that match, uh, all things considered. And that's a by compare as big as the Madison Square Garden is uh, by comparison. I I don't know what the actual square footage is <laughs> uh, between both venues, but suffice it to say, th- there is definitely so much weight behind all this. There's so much. Uh, anticipation for what could come, and you got to have the right players in the in this position uh, to not only let the fans go home happy, but to but to make this a as memorable a situation as possible for all parties involved, not just for the fans, but also for the booking team, for all for for the wrestlers themselves, for uh, for all the talent that are working the night, for for because that. I think is going to be a point in I, I don't want to say human history just make that sound way more important than it ought to be. But I guess in the spectrum of professional wrestling, uh, it is going to be one of the most singularly important points of the profession's history that absolutely nobody with even the slightest speck of sentience should uh, ignore because the people involved all have a fair chance of creating an, an absolute classic 
moves and the crazy moments that could come from this are insurmountable, I think. You know. Absolutely. And it really depends ultimately on who they put on the on, on that on that uh final match. Which is why per, which is why I still think that Okada v uh Naito is probably the perfect way to go um, in a narrative sense. However, Ibushi v. Naito has had some very good uh, traction in the recent uh, consciousness. So there's no reason why they couldn't do something insane uh, on their own merits alone because they have, their, they have the capacity for that. Uh Putting Jay White in that in that situation, I don't think it would be smart, because uh, it's on the one hand it's Wrestle Kingdom, and then like we've talked about already, he's got time. He he doesn't need that right now just yet. He can be a, he can be a champion again later on. If anything, he could probably uh, either develop other feuds or or work towards uh, uh, building up something else possibly another championship maybe even go for the u.s championship again again if he wants to um but time will tell above all else though that main event is i'm sorry i didn't mean to pop the microphone no that's how important it is that's how big it is yeah my god just 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 thinking about it it's just it's a it's too, it's almost too much but at the same time that's exactly why it's too much because it is too much there's so much going behind all this this is ultimately one of the biggest deals ever and it's really going to be hard to see where that goes I mean like I said earlier in the podcast I'm just glad that this is making the Intercontinental Championship seem like a big deal again. For mm-hmm. that, I'm glad that we have this double gold. Um, all of this craze about double gold. It's been yeah. great for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. That is correct. And, man, whoever comes out of this alive will probably be the one of the greatest champions to ever walk the earth uh, of, prof- of the professional wrestling world. And I'm really looking forward to see who that is. I'd like it to be Naito so that we can finally get the Tokyo Dome roll call that we've been waiting for. Uh, if it, it, it really could be anybody, but it just seems way too good of a chance to give it to Naito. He's, he he deserves it quite well, you know. My my bias notwithstanding. No bias or not, like there's no way that they can deny Naito this time. If they hmm. do, then someone in that New Japan office clearly doesn't like him. Yeah. Well, I I, I would only hope that that's not the case, but you never know with the politics. All the same, though. I'm really looking forward to see what happens because this is going to be one to to pay attention to. It's going to be un- an unforgettable one. For sure. Now, mm. we're finally at the end of the podcast. 
this was a double-length episode, and it needed to be. But, like, if you haven't subscribed to New Japan World yet, what are you waiting on? Yeah, like, come on. We're, we've, we, we, if you haven't been able to tell by the... Uh, by the sense of anxiousness and tension in the in our voices, it's kind of a big deal, guys. It 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 behooves me to know that there aren't enough people, you know, still watching right now, or at least paying attention. Never mind the stuff with access, you know, pulling support from that or whatever, or 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 New Japan choosing to leave or whatever. But again, that's a whole other situation. Support the brand. Give your Show, show support for to a set to a promotion that has so much history behind it that and at the same that not only allows for the for, for, for real freedom of expression in the ring for 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 sporting uh, scenarios but also has great characters that you can really get around. New Japan has no shortage of good characters right now. It's probably the strongest it's been looking in terms of character. Uh, placement in in some time now and i know a lot of people were worried about uh where new japan was going to be after the elite left but it's pretty safe to say that they're in a fantastic position right now better than anyone was expecting so yeah like regardless of which promotion you're following be it new japan or aew or all japan or whatever may have you it's a great time to be a pro wrestling fan. Support what you like. Anyone who's a wrestling fan has seen other wrestling fans on the internet. And uh, as just a public service announcement, let's try to do a little better this year in terms of being a fan. Just support what you want to watch. If someone is supporting something that you don't like, let leave them be. They enjoy it for a reason that you don't. And yeah, there's really no reason to antagonize someone over what they enjoy. Enjoy what you enjoy in peace. Let others enjoy what they enjoy in peace. That's all I ask this year. Yeah, it's not that really hard to do. Like, we can't the the hive the, we can't there can't be a hive mind for everything. That's just the reality of things. We are in, we're born individuals and we're uh, we grow from our tastes, both good and bad. So at the end of the day, not everybody's gonna like what you like. So just try to enjoy what you enjoy most, and let and let others be. But if it happens to be New Japan Pro Wrestling in particular, yeah, just. Go on to njpwworld.com, give them that $9.99. You know, you'll 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 get a massive amount of content to watch and all kinds of stuff to, to look into. And believe me, I was watching uh, Antonio Inoki versus Hulk Hogan from all the way back in 1983. There's definitely some depth to the kind of uh, stuff that they have in their archives. So it's it would be in one's best interest, I believe, to check it out, really see where uh, Japanese pro wrestling uh, had its early starts under Inoki's uh, visage, under under his sort of uh, uh, under his care and to see where it all went from there up until now there's so much to go through 
and it all uh, and all it takes is just to peruse a little bit check out the YouTubes and all that other stuff you know there's plenty to see but by all means support just support that's what it means to be a fan that's what it should be don't no there's no need to cut the rug under anybody's uh pull the rug under anybody's legs for uh for liking what they like it does nothing for other people and does much less for the person pulling the rug in the long run so enjoy what you like and laissez-faire you know but uh yeah that will do it for this episode of the hardcore uh strong style coalition podcast almost forgot the name presented by ruben prime tv did i forget to say that at the top oh my god i gotta edit that in somehow maybe (laughs) i'm surprised i forgot well it's been a while so i I hope you'll forgive us for that (laughs) but yes uh, this was uh, episode five, I want to say, for the HSC podcast presented by Ruben Prime TV. This has been Cosmic Kaiser 6 and Heracles DCXVI. Thank you once again for stopping by. Don't forget to keep uh, keep an eye on us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else that you get your podcasts if you want to hear this episode and many more that we've already done in the past. Well, several more. Let's be a little bit more realistic uh, for our stuff anyway. And also, you know, be sure to stop but to search for Ruben Prime TV across all other platforms for the other content that is available through there, not just for us. After all, we're just a small part of the of the overall machine yeah we have other we're things a piece to of the puzzle see. yeah we're ra- and, and the whole puzzle is rather intriguing it's a lot to see but yes ladies and gentlemen that'll do from us here at hsc central thank you once again for uh sharing your time with us and we hope you enjoyed our uh our little dig into the wrestle kingdom 14 landscape we hope that you uh check out wrestle kingdom 14 and be amazed at what you'll see because if there's anything that wrestle kingdom is known for it's for creating incredible moments and i'm pretty sure this one's going to be uh the biggest moment factory uh that we've seen in a long time so yeah thanks once again everybody we'll see you next time peace